Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Think Queen. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Kine, and on today's episode, we're talking all about the mechanics of music and the physics behind sound. I love to sing, and I love to listen to music. I have such a romantic relationship with music, as I feel lots of us do. Music can make us cry, laugh, dance, sing, strut the runway, or start a new adventure. It's got such a strong grip on me, yet I feel like I'm so ignorant about how it all actually works. How do musicians create such amazing works of art? Meanwhile, if I sit at the piano, every combination of keys I hit sounds like complete garbage. How does sound travel from a person's mouth and into a microphone that gets wired into speakers or move through the air to an antenna or even through a needle and into a record player? To me, it's like complete sorcery, but our guest today can hopefully clear up some of the noise. Dr. Shini Somara is a mechanical engineer and a computational fluid dynamicist, broadcaster on BBC, author of various books, including Engineers Making a Difference, and host of Crash Course Physics and Engineering on YouTube. Hi, Dr. Shinny. Thanks so much for being here. So good to see you. You look amazing. Thank you. Well, you have such an impressive resume, but I'll start with mechanical engineer and computational fluid dynamicist. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, good question. Mechanical engineers are really interested in machines, mechanics, so the way things work, and engineers in general are real problem solvers. So I studied mechanical engineering, which allowed me to learn about how things function, how things move, how heat behaves. We don't realize, but hot and cold moves around, it allows us to do things, pressure in the air, pressure in water. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen that is very crucial to engineers. So mechanical engineering mm. allows you to study all of that and really get an understanding of the way the world works. Mm -hmm. And then fluid dynamics is something that I just kind of fell in love with. Like at the end of my degree, I just loved understanding how gases and liquids flow. So fluids are gases and liquids. Mm -hmm. And what I found fascinating about fluid dynamics is the fact that often you don't see gases and liquids. So you don't see air and mm -hmm. you don't always see water. And yet, if you understand how they behave, you can do incredible things like fly 
in aeroplanes mm. or speed through water in a speedboat or you know submarine or drive really fast cars formula 1 cars are designed to manipulate the way air flows over them so that they can go faster so all of that just really fascinated me and i can only summarize it as saying that i became really interested in visualizing the invisible and computational mm. fluid dynamics which is what i studied for my phd allows you to visualize on a computer screen how gases and liquids behave wow so interesting i know sound which is sort of the the topic of this episode sound is something that's invisible but i've i've heard before that sound is a wave but what exactly does that mean yeah you're absolutely right sound is invisible but you get to see the effects of sound because sound is essentially energy so we describe sound in waves because they are a type of mechanical wave you know one atom hits another atom which hits another atom and it sends this pressure wave through the air which when it vibrates the next thing allows us to hear it so you know if i i'm speaking to you now my vocal mm-hmm. cords are sending energy pulses through the air there's a whole load of electronics in between us because we're yeah. doing this virtually but essentially the energy coming out of your speakers is moving air between your speakers and your eardrum and it's translating energy to your eardrum which allows you to hear so it's basically this kind of domino effect of mm. moving energy around and i've never actually thought about it but sound is invisible so i think it fits in my little passion for yeah. visualizing the invisible of course yeah Is it a wave like a sine wave because I know I've like learned sine waves in school that like go up and down but you you're describing it sort of as like a push. Yeah, it is like a sine wave. If you think about waves in the ocean, mm. there's like peaks and troughs and so sound waves are basically like waves in the ocean but just in air. And it's this wave motion that allows it to move through air. You know there's no sound in space. Yeah, I've heard. I mean it just must be so eerie. But I've also, I don't know, have you ever experienced being in a sound chamber or, you know, a room that is soundproof? I haven't, but you know what I've heard that like if you're in one of those for long enough, like the silence kind of drives you crazy and you like start to hear like the blood going through your veins and like your own heartbeat because most of us were used to there being some level of like ambient noise it's a really crazy experience because when you're in a soundproof room the hard edges of the walls and the floor and the ceiling that sound usually bounces off is not there because all those surfaces are soft mm. so sound waves hit these soft surfaces and don't bounce back. The reason why it's such a crazy experience being in a sound chamber or a soundproof room is because we really use sound waves to orient ourselves. So it allows us to have some sense of geopositioning. Like we we get a sense of where we are standing based on the way sound bounces off surfaces and back to our ears. It mm-hmm. helps us to stand in a stable position. It really affects us in ways that I don't think mm-hmm. many of us ever really think about. Well, you mentioned like how in space there's no air, so there's no sound. So what would happen if you were in space and you just like tried to scream? Where would that energy go? Nowhere. 
there is no air particles or air molecules that the energy from our vocal cords could bounce off. Sounds like an absolute nightmare, like a really bad dream that we'd be screaming and no one would hear us. Wow. Yeah. That is dark. <laughs> Let me switch gears a little bit. How does sound go from my mouth, the air is vibrating, and then into a microphone and through a cable? It's so wonderfully simple, but yet it is so effective how microphones and speakers work. The technology involved in both speakers and microphones is pretty much the same. They're based on the same principles, which is that sound waves are converted into electrical signals in a microphone. In a speaker, mm -hmm. electrical signals are converted into sound waves. And the way this happens is like, in a microphone, for example, you've got this diaphragm and then you've got a coil of wire and a magnet and sound waves that are vibrating through the air mm -hmm. vibrate this diaphragm, which is like this thin piece of material, such as like plastic or metal. And so the sound waves are making this thin sheet vibrate and this movement causes the coil of wire to move mm -hmm. as well. And it's this motion that creates an electrical current in the coil. And then this electrical current is then sent to a audio processing device. And that's what creates this electrical signal. So does the electrical current like remember the pattern of vibration? So imagine you've got like this thin sheet of material and then you've got mm -hmm. this coil that is kind of attached to the thin sheet of material. This mm -hmm. coil is moving and it's that movement that creates an electrical current and that electrical current is sent down a wire and translated from electrical current to a sound signal at the other end. So that could be a mm -hmm. speaker. Essentially, all you're doing is converting a sound wave into an electrical pulse. You're converting that mechanical movement into an electrical signal. It's crazy hearing you describe it because it sounds so simple. And yet I feel like sound is so complicated. There's so many different sounds. Like even with music, there's all these different notes, like different notes on a piano where people have different voices. How is it that we can differentiate between all the different sounds when it's all just the same principle of vibrating air? Well, so as you know really well, like mathematicians, engineers, scientists, we always like to kind of create rules and label things and sound has two major kind of characteristics or labels mm -hmm. and one of them is frequency and mm -hmm. another characteristic of sound is wavelength and frequency and wavelength are probably like the two main ways of describing sound and if you picture waves on the ocean surface a wavelength would be the distance between peaks of a wave. So when you mm -hmm. talk about a sine wave, you've got like the peak of one wave, the peak of, an, of a second wave, and the distance between them is the wavelength. And then mm -hmm. frequency is within a period of time. So let's just say a mm -hmm. second. How many waves can you pack into that second? That describes frequency. Then you've got amplitude. Amplitude is like how tall the wave is, right? Exactly. Yeah. There are many ways of describing sound. And, you know, 
essentially that all leads to the pitch and tone of a musical note. There's like beautiful mathematical patterns when it comes to Mm -hmm. looking at the pitch of a note. I mean, it just gets so complicated, but ultimately what's so beautiful about all of this complexity is that we just get to enjoy sounds, you know? Oh yeah. There's lots of crossover between math and music. People think music should just be like all artistic and subjective, but like, no, there's so many numbers to it and equations. I read once that Pythagoras discovered that the length of a string on a lyre could influence the note it plays. So like if you have one string that's twice as long as another string, then you would get a note that's like an octave higher. And like if you like change the ratios of string lengths and you could get like chords and like harmonies that sound good together. Yeah, like it's all to do with musical intervals, right? So, you know, a musical interval is the distance in pitch between two notes. So an interval could be described by their size or their ratio of frequencies of those two notes or by their quality and the type of sound they produce. But essentially the size of an interval is usually described by a number such as Mm -hmm. a second or a third or a fourth or fifth. And that corresponds to the number of letter names in between two notes. I learned to play the piano absolutely ages ago. I haven't sat down at a piano for so long. (laughs) But basically, I remember like C, G, E, so all those different notes. And you've got like a musical interval of a third, for example, is the distance between a root note and the note that is three letter names higher or lower Mm. than it. It's totally mathematical. Why is it that some like combinations of notes, we can call that like a harmony, like it sounds beautiful, but other combinations of notes just sounds like noise? Well, I think it's to do with the perfect ratios. So, you know, you get major and minor and whole number ratios. Whole number ratios are things like a perfect fifth and a perfect octave. And this is stumbling into territory that is not my area of expertise. But, you know, from my knowledge of mathematics, Mm -hmm. which is very mechanical, but from my (laughs) knowledge of mathematics, some sounds are just so beautiful because they are in perfect ratio with each other. Mm. And some sounds are so disharmonious because the ratios are not perfectly aligned. So that would be my guess. We'll be right back. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
Welcome back to the podcast. It made sense when you were like describing it as like, all right, there's a wave and it goes to your eardrum or to a microphone. But then when I think of like multiple notes being played at once, like how would you pick that up in a microphone if there's like different wavelengths happening at the same time? How are we able to like pick up different notes or different sounds? It must be to do with the absolute complexity of the basic principles of how a microphone and speaker work. So Mm -hmm. the sensitivity of the components, you know, when we talk about a coil wrapped around a magnet, maybe in a kind of microphone, there's a coil in a magnet for certain frequencies, you know, you've got bass treble. Mm -hmm. And so there's probably a combination of all these different mechanical components that are there to pick up certain sensitivities of vibration. You probably have a variety of different metals. You know, if the diaphragm is a certain type of metal, maybe some Mm. diaphragm sheets are thinner than others. It's really interesting when you think about the ear and how fine little hairs in our inner ears are what transmit vibrations. Is that what it is? The hairs inside our ears? Yeah, it's hairs. Really? Yeah. I thought it was the eardrum. Yeah. So there's a whole host of components and they're all really microscopic, but essentially it's the eardrum, which I think is made of cartilage. And I think as you get older, those sensitive parts of the entire ear become desensitized or kind of overused You know, when people go have many years of clubbing, it affects their ears. I mean, we're talking about the mechanical components in our bodies that suffer from wear and tear, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what changes the way we hear over our lifetimes. It's all part and parcel of components. Yeah, because there's some like sounds that we can't even hear, like dog whistles, huh? Yes. And those are much higher frequencies because, you know, the human ear is designed to hear sounds within a certain set frequency. And you know, sounds are, as we have already established, like they're waves, but waves can also be light. Yes. And we also have like a visual spectrum of the kind of colors we can see, but we also, we can't see microwaves or anything outside of our visual spectrum the same with sound like we can't Mm. hear things outside of a certain spectrum of sounds yeah so the upper limit of human hearing is around 20 Mm -hmm. kilohertz and frequency is measured in hertz yes it means per second right yeah it's per second and is it energy per second i think it's like one of those unitless things At least if I remember from from high school, it is like per second, if I remember correctly, at least. Yeah. One wavelength. It's one wavelength per second. So yeah, we hear anything outside of 20 hertz, kilohertz per second, we don't hear. And infrasonic sounds are sounds that have a frequency that's lower than 20 kilohertz. So these are things like earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, ocean waves. And so we don't hear any of that happening. But we can feel an earthquake. We can feel an earthquake, but maybe like dogs, I don't know what their sound range is, but like 
maybe that's why sometimes animals or bats or elephants, they they have a different experience of living on this planet than we do, which kind of is mind-blowing when yeah. you think about it. So, like, potentially they could, like, hear an earthquake before it happens? Potentially. I mean, I would have to check what their sound range is, mm. but, like, potentially they may know when an earthquake is about to happen before we ever could. Wow. But we have instruments in the ground that would detect it, right? We do, but that's... That's a whole engineering challenge. There's actually an earthquake engineer in my book, and he mm. has told me that we do have a lot of technology to try and predict earthquakes when they're about to happen, but it's such a complex, unpredictable science that when they're about to happen, there's no way of predicting how the rumbles correlate to when it will actually happen, if at all. So, so they're just as surprised as we are. Yeah, but they're also as vulnerable because, mm. you know, we've developed technology to really try and predict when earthquakes are going to happen. But it's such a non-exact science that there's still a lot more work to do. But, you know, sound and sound wave energy, I'm sure, comes into that discipline because it's all a mm. transference of energy. It's funny because I watched one of your videos actually and you were talking about how some buildings play this like high-pitched noise that only young people can hear. Is that a thing? Well, recently I posted on my own platforms that when you're doing computational fluid dynamics to look at how air flows through a town, for example, a lot of the obstructions of buildings, so like a steeple with crazy architecture at the top or just sharp edges and unusual geometries can create sounds. So, you know, sometimes mm. you see in like scary movies, like certain whistling or just like scary uh, things that make you feel uncomfortable. That could actually just be down to fluid dynamics and how air really? is flowing over interesting geometries. You know, we use that concept to whistle. We shape our mm. mouths in a certain way. So we're using this idea of passing air over certain shapes or, you know, moving a diaphragm in a microphone or figuring out why your haunted house always has some crazy sound at night and understanding that it's down to the way air and sound energy propagates or moves. Interesting. How do radios work? When like a car is like playing something on the radio and there's like an antenna, is that picking up sound waves or is that a different kind of wave? Radio waves are transmitted in a similar way to speakers, but they use a very different frequency. There's a spectrum and sound waves are really long wavelengths in comparison to radio waves and electromagnetic waves and the waves that may be used to control your TV remote controller, that kind of thing. So mm. there's like a whole range of different types of waves. I have a question related to like, we were talking about microphones and speakers. I have always wondered how do we translate music into like grooves on a record? Because that I just can't even like wrap my head around. And to think that records are like pretty old as well. Yeah. And you know, the way I think of it is I I'm really visual with it. Like I see sound as like this wave literally flowing mm. through the air. And the way vinyls work is that the microscopic landscape of the vinyl. So imagine 
a vinyl and you zoom mm-hmm. right into its detail, the way the needle moves up and down on the vinyl as it's going round and round is almost a copy of the way the sound comes out of our speaker at the end of it. Really? So it's kind of like this translation of like sound wave to kind of physical geometry. Yeah, into like something like that you can hold. Yeah. I mean, you create these grooves in a piece of vinyl and the grooves you create allow a needle to kind of caress the vinyl and the up and down movement of the needle on the vinyl gets translated electrically into sound. I mean, to visualize that is just so beautiful. The idea that like sound is invisible Mm -hmm. and you basically create that wave into a bit of vinyl. We can take something that's invisible and create something physical that's visible. That's so beautiful. It is beautiful. Recently, I watched a TikTok from somebody who described themselves as an audiophile, meaning they knew like a lot about sound quality and like which headphones are like the good ones and certain headphones you can like really hear all the different like instruments. And he was talking about how like once you hear it, if you switch back to cheap headphones, it's like it makes such a huge difference. Since you know so much about sound, would you identify yourself as an audiophile? Okay, so audiophiles are really specific kind of people. Like there's a community that exists. I'm not one of them. I really love listening to music, but I am not an audiophile because audiophiles literally are obsessed with the sound. So Mm. My partner is an audiophile, which means he is like completely obsessed with the mechanisms of getting sound out of a system. So like he is obsessed about the cables, the amplifier, the box that translates the actual data into electrical Mm. signals. And it gets really expensive because there's just better and better technology. I mean, people spend so much money on reproducing sound. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious, what is your favorite song or genre of music to listen to? If I had to summarize my musical taste, I'm very old school. So Mm -hmm. I'm so into Elton John and like that kind of era. I just, they're such feel good songs. And they're so, um, for me, it kind of reminds me of like childhood and just, um, I don't know, good times. So I'm into that. But at the same time, you know, like I go to clubs in Ibiza and listen to, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of clubby kind of vibes. And so I I just have such a a mixed taste. I love how you describe like sound and music as like being so beautiful, because like, especially given that you are so knowledgeable about it, you still seem to love it in such like a romantic way which is so interesting because I feel like it's something that all of us can relate to. Like other animals sing, as you mentioned, like whales, and they can do it for like communication. But like we humans seem to, we just love music for like concerts or we sing in the shower or for weddings. Why do you think that we seem to just love music so much? Well, I think that it's because we are energy. You know, in true Einstein perspectives we are all energy and there's so much resonance in listening to music in the sense that you know sound waves can literally move us 
in terms mm. of like vibrating the atoms in us. You know, I've always loved the concept of resonance. It took me so long to understand it when I was learning it in school because there are all these crazy examples of like, if you're on a swing and then someone pushes you on the swing and I was <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't get what resonance mm-hmm. is. But now I really understand the concept of resonance. And actually the moment where I got that light bulb, oh, I get it, was when I heard an example about being on the tube. I'm from mm-hmm. London and we have the London Underground. Yes, I've been I've been many times. My husband's from up north, actually. So I, I go to London all the time. Oh, cool. So I find the tube pretty amazing. I've grown up with it. So I, I know the tube map, like the back of my hand. And... Sometimes when you're sitting on the tube, the train's going up and down, you know, as it goes along the tracks. And sometimes the up and down Mm -hmm. movement of a tube train going along the tracks is a frequency. It's a wave, like it's, it's, it's traveling in a wave kind of motion. And when the frequency of the moving train matches your natural frequency, because everyone has their own natural frequency, it can cause resonance because When someone's natural frequency matches a frequency that's nearby, those waves combine and create a bigger frequency. And that is resonance. So basically, it's hilarious. The effect of the tube train matching your natural frequency is that you end up bouncing uncontrollably in your seat. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, yeah. It's like suddenly you're like bouncing up and down. It's really embarrassing because it's not happening to everyone because not everyone's natural frequencies are the same. Maybe that's why other people don't like the two, but me and you, we're we're on the same wavelength. So we're like into it. (laughs) I love that. I I feel like that's a great place to stop. Um, But before you go, I have a couple little rapid fire questions that I'm going to pull out this hat. They've kind of got nothing to do with what this episode is. They're kind of just... Little silly questions, if you'll entertain us. Oh, question number one. What is a movie that you think everyone should watch? Oh, my God. I, I wanted to say Shawshank Redemption because because it's the most impactful movie on me ever. That's a good answer. Question two. If math had a color, what color would it be? I'm going to go with purple because we're doing the purple vibe today. Purple, yes. <laughs> Why not? Um, how pretty do I look on a scale of one to ten? 14? 14. That's the correct answer. Not many people get that one right. No, you look absolutely stunning. Thank you. All right. I'll ask you one more question from the hat. Oh, this is a good one. If you were on Drag Race, would you be a pageant queen, comedy queen, lip sync assassin, or multi-talented winner like me? (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd have to go for comedy because I take myself way too seriously sometimes. (laughs) So I need to chill out. So I'll go for comedy. Love that. (laughs) One final question before you go. I'm asking all my guests this. What advice would you give to a listener who uh, wants to grow up and be like you? Um, Don't do it. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) Do you know what? I have always followed my heart. There have been many, many times when people were asking me, what the hell are you doing? Do you have any clue? And there were often times when I really didn't have a clue. But the thing is, when you follow your heart, you end up reaching your greatest potential because you're doing it for all the right reasons. So follow your heart would be my advice. Yeah, that's 
great advice. And where can everybody find you online if they want to learn more? Type my name into uh, Google, Dr. Shini Somara. It's pretty much the name of all my handles on social media. And I look forward to, to meeting people. And, and thank you so much for making math so awesome. I have to say oh, thank that you. that Fibonacci uh, New Year's thing, I was like, that is genius. <laughs> the fact that you identified it with the way we started our year is absolutely genius. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my gosh, that is so nice. And thank you so much for being on Think Queen. Thank you. Bye, Dr. Shani. Bye. Think Queen is produced by Entertainment One, Director of Programming at E1's Podcast Network, Sasha Tong, Producer, Maddie Hanika and Sasha Tong, Associate Producers, Chris Chu, Edited and Mixed by Maddie Hanika. For more episodes, subscribe to Think Queen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. And if you like this podcast, share it with your friends and make sure to leave a rating and review. Subscribe now to Think Queen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.